It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with More Money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hello, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show, and this is WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in these United States. So thank you so much for joining. Our ratings are fantastic, and that's because we have so many devoted listeners and smart listeners. And incidentally, I have my hand on the Bible right now. I will take your calls because there's so much to discuss. So I'm only going to have a couple of guests in this hour, and then I'm going to devote a lot of time to take your calls. I want to hear your opinion. I've said so many times on the show that uh, one of the things I'm proud of is I think we have the the smartest listeners uh, and the smartest callers, and I learn a lot from you. So I want to hear your opinion about the craziness that's going on in this country and the craziness that's going on in Washington, D.C. I'm going to give you that number right now. Don't call in yet because it'll probably be late about in uh, 20, 30 minutes uh, into the show, I will start taking your calls. The um, WABC More Money hotline number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So what I will be asking you about uh, and what I'd like to hear your opinion on is a couple of things. One is the border crisis. And do you think that the Republicans did the right thing in pulling the plug on this, what I think was an outrageous, <laughs> outrageous, quote, bipartisan bill that I think was a, a lot of nonsense? Uh, and I'll get into that and explain why I think that's the case. But if you if you want to take the side of uh, of the bipartisan deal, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Uh, I can be educated by you. And then I, I the other subject I want to hear your opinion about is, and, and I'm going to get into this as well in a few minutes, the outrageous um, and dangerous, dangerous and outrageous uh, new report from the budget office in Washington, D.C. about what the outlook is for our spending and debt situation. And it is frightening. It is. It, I looked at those numbers. I couldn't believe it. Okay. Let me start with this border issue. I talked about this last week. I prayed and begged Republicans not to sign on to some kind of bogus bipartisan deal on the border. And here is why. Do any anybody listening to this show, does anybody recall that we had a border crisis under Donald J. Trump? I don't. <laughs> I mean, we, we slowed illegal immigration to a trickle. Now, yeah, did illegal immigrants get into the country? Of course, yes. We, you know, it's a big border and we're not going to stop everyone. But we did not have a crisis at the border. In fact, Trump was busy building a wall. He had some of the best border enforcement people. And we made sure we captured people who were drug runners and people bringing in fentanyl and, 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 and criminals and terrorists, uh, people with communicable diseases. We cannot. I'm very pro-immigration, folks. I think immigrants are really 
very, very important for our country. And I know a lot of the people who listen to this show, I know it because we get callers who say that they're from Eastern Europe or from Africa or uh, South America. And I think that immigrants who come into this country legally and work hard and share our freedoms and contribute, fantastic. It's, it's what makes America the greatest country on earth. But you have to have a border. Now, we did not have a border crisis under Trump. In fact, he was solving the border crisis of the last 30 years. Love him or hate him, he was building a wall and he was enforcing the laws. Somehow, Biden comes in and all of a sudden we have an incredible number, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are crossing the border Biden, does anybody think he wants to control the border when he's basically telling the border control agents, by the way, cut the barbed wire fences to make it as easy as possible for the migrants to come into this country? Uh, I'm so angry about this, I can barely get the words out. Biden is doing everything he can to allow as many illegal immigrants into the country as possible, and he did it from day one. Now, I don't know why he's doing it. Maybe it's some false sense of uh, that this is the humane thing to do. And I want to be clear on this. It is not humane. It is not humane to have these tens and tens of thousands of people, women with their children, lining up at the border with this false hope that they can just come into our country and they will be uh, you know, allowed to stay here. Uh, th- that is outrageous. This is a very tough situation for the migrants. I don't blame the migrants for wanting to come into the United States. I blame this damn administration that will not get our border under control. And I want to make this clear. Two things are not necessary. It is not necessary that we spend more money. We have plenty of money uh, spent on our border enforcement. We have a great border control agency. They're just not allowed to do their job under Joe Biden. So the idea that money is going to fix this problem, no, it's not. We don't need to spend more money on this. Second of all, we don't need new laws, folks. We just need Joe Biden to enforce the current laws. If he would enforce the laws in place, we would go back to the Trump policies that controlled the border and made sure that immigrants came in the right way, not the wrong way. So this is the the dialogue and the narrative that's going on now of these liberals saying, oh, my gosh, Republicans killed this deal for political reasons. No, this is on Joe Biden. Is there anyone out there actually believes that he wants to control the border? Because he could do it if he wanted to. He doesn't need Congress. The irony of this is this is this president who does everything by executive order. He ignores Congress when he's supposed to have a presidential um, mandate to follow the Constitution, the law. And this is the guy who just independently said, oh, I'm going to forgive Uh, millions of Americans for paying their student loan debt, even though the Supreme Court said he couldn't do it. So he he asserts all these rights. And now he's saying he can't control the border without more money and a new law from Congress. I'm here to tell you that's nonsense. Republicans were absolutely correct in not going for this bogus deal. And I hate to say this, we're going to probably have eight more months of chaos at the border. And if you want our border under control, and you want to stop stop this massive wave, there's only one way to do it. And in fact, the Supreme Court said this. The only way that you can get the border under control is by having Biden out of the White House and having Donald Trump back in. 
It's that simple. This is not a complicated off, uh, you know, uh, issue. And I want people to call in on this. If you disagree with me, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. I really would. Now, second of all, I want to talk just for a few minutes about what is going on with our budget situation, because this is the other story that was overshadowed by all the uh, other events of this week, including what happened with Ukraine, including the uh, special prosecutor decision uh, not to prosecute uh, Biden, even though he uh, he uh, clearly uh, disobeyed the law. But the budget situation is catastrophic, and I'm not here to defend Donald Trump, I said this on Larry Kudlow's show, which was on uh, a little while ago, that, uh, you know, I hate to say this, and I like Trump. Trump was a big spender. And I looked at the three uh, budgets that he had, not counting the COVID year, and we borrowed $750 billion a year. That's a lot. That's way, way, way too much. So shame on Donald Trump and the Republicans for not controlling spending more. But then Biden comes in. And in his three years, and again, I'm not counting 2020 and 2021 because those were extraordinary years with with COVID. Do you know what we're averaging per year under Biden in terms of borrowing? $1.5 trillion a year, a year. When I first came to Washington in 1985, our entire debt from 1776 to 1985 wasn't $1.5 trillion. Now under Joe Biden, we're borrowing that much every single year. Is there a plan under Biden to bring the debt down? No. <laughs> if you look at Biden's own baseline of what's happening with spending and debt, it goes up and up and up and up. It reminds me of uh, Buzz Lightyear, remember, in Toy Story, to infinity and beyond. And that's what we're seeing right now with this debt situation. It is not a revenue problem. It is The problem is not a, that we are not collecting enough taxes. We have more taxes coming into the federal treasury today than any time before and above the average, even according to, you know, as a percentage of GDP. We do not have a revenue problem. People are paying enough taxes. I'm paying too much taxes. I don't know how you're feeling about your own taxes, but I'm paying too much taxes, not too little. And the idea, Biden really thinks that he can, because he has zero plans to cut spending. He thinks we're going to cl- close this entire trillion and a half dollar um, gap between revenues and spending, not by reducing the outflow, by massively increasing taxes on the American people, which of course will not reduce the debt because you'll so crush the economy with new taxes. We will not have people working. We'll not have pres- uh, we will not have profits for companies to pay taxes on. So we better get serious about this, folks, because this is as serious as a heart attack. This is going to lead to a financial collapse. And I don't know if it's going to happen in three weeks or three months or three years or five years, but it will happen. And everyone listening to this show, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, independent, liberal, conservative, socialist, everyone knows what we're doing is wrong. It is immoral and it is going to lead to um, it, it is also um uh, what I call fiscal child abuse, because the people are going to pay the tab for our um, obese budgets are my kids and your kids and my kids and your kids' kids. And a great country does not pass those costs on to their kids and grandkids. We're supposed to leave the country better off for each generation. And what's happening under Joe Biden is we're leaving the country worse off for our kids and future kids. So I want to hear from you on this issue too. Am I wrong? Am I being too hysterical about this? Because I, if I sound a little hysterical, I am kind of hysterical. I am really, really worried as an economist about 
the takeover of our economy by the federal government. Incidentally, if we're going to have government, it should be state and local government. We should rein in the federal government and have more of the power in the hands of the states and the cities. So that is my lecture for today. I am uh, really concerned about what the, what's happening in our country. I think you are too. Uh, in a few minutes, I will be taking your calls at 1-800-848-9222. This is The More Money Show, and I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. I'm here with my friend Scott uh, Bessett, who is the CEO of Key Square Management and is an expert on the financial markets and uh, has been a longtime supporter of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Scott, great, great to be with you. Good, thanks. So Steve. let's get right down to it. You put out a really interesting report that's getting a lot of attention, uh, confirming what Donald Trump said the other day, which is when Trump said, well, this rally in the stock market is really a Trump rally, and you have some evidence to show that to be true. Yeah, and, and you know, to, to emphasize... I have political opinions. This is a data-driven right, right. financial opinion. Right. And you know, there are two pieces to this. Is, you know, we, te- we teased out the data. So since 1952, the, in a year when there's an incumbent running, the market's always up. Why is that? So because the, uh, uh, I'll give you the, the second part. First yeah, thing, okay. is because the administration apparatus is pumping liquidity. Ah, including the Fed. Yeah, right. Well, especially the Fed. Yeah. And Why they, do they do that? They, they, well, they want their guy to win. Okay, got it. And, you know, okay. they're, so they're putting their finger right. on the scale, right. and we'll come back to this. So that's not unusual. You know, Janet Yellen is appointed by President Biden, and she wants him to win. Uh, what is unusual here is the amount of what is being done. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are reaching dangerous levels, especially right. given the debt levels. But on the other side... At some point, they could probably go too far, right? I mean, and uh, crash them up. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> right. is, you know, too much of a good thing. Right. <laughs> the, uh, but the other thing is, you know, I, you know, in my note, I said we're at the nirvana stage now because we have... Uh, the Yellen apparatus right. pumping money, but we also have pump Trump ahead in the polls. Right. So now the market is anchoring on November. F- so uh, they're no- looking ahead and saying, hey, if Trump yeah. wins, it's going to be good for yeah. stocks. Yeah. Well, huh. You know, I don't have to tell yeah. you, yeah. Mar- markets live in the future. Yes. Uh, er- earnings estimates, interest rate forwards, right. the uh, commodity curves. And so they're looking forward to November 5th, lower taxes. Trump tax cuts, less regulation, the, uh, right. less regulation, right. energy independence, business policies, the, uh, right. you know, yep. and the market also gets very unsettled by everything we're seeing abroad. So you know, a m- more muscular you know, foreign policy yeah, that quiets right. things down yes. are, are all bullish. So as I looked at your chart, it seems to show 
that as Trump's, uh, you know, odds of winning go up, so does the market. Is yes. That right? Yeah. So the for the for the past 14 months, uh-huh. when Trump has been ahead in the polls, cumulative, yep. the market's up 35 percent. Yep. When Biden's huh. been ahead in the polls, it's up three. Now. Um, 1980, you mentioned all, you know, every election year. So 1980 was, of course, that famous election when Jimmy Carter ran against Reagan. Yep. Uh, was the market up in 1980? Whoa. <laughs> see, see, you're you're good because the uh, what what I think is so interesting about 1980 is if we go back and look in the incumbent election years, that's the year the market was up the most, and Carter in lost. 1980. Yeah. But so, that's a weird one because, because you know, Reagan didn't really run, you know, that was a close race until the last week. So there well, wasn't a big well, Reagan. Well, I, I think it was kind of after, I, we went back and looked, okay. and it was after the Republican convention, and then remember kind of after the debacle in the desert. Yeah, I do remember was, that. Was, yeah, when and the, that, that's when the, the market took off. To so so but, you're but, saying, but, yeah. you know, I'm saying, you know, the... They can pump in the liquidity, and you know maybe they were most desperate they, uh, in 1980. So the market was up 26 percent, mm-hmm. but Carter still lost. Wow! So it's amazing. So the other question, of course, you mentioned. You know, obviously the White House is political, and the actions of the Treasury Department and so on are going to be. I mean, it's a political agency, but the Fed is not supposed to be a political agency. And I get asked this <clears throat> three times a day. Is the Fed political? Sure. And I want your answer to that. So, uh, I, I have a, <laughs> I, I'm glad we're here together yeah. because I have a different answer this week than I had last week. Okay. Last week, I was very careful to dissect between you know, Yellen, Treasury, political apparatus, arm of the White House, Fed, right. Powell, right. implicit bias. What's that mean? It, you know, it is they, it's not overt. They, you know, they, they lean one way is, um, you know, let's, let's say most of the Fed staff are in D.C. and New York. Uh, voters in D.C. and New York, especially D.C., vote Democratic 910. Yeah, right. So, you know, it, it is there. There's an implicit bias. It, there's an implicit David. bias. So, but, but Jay Powell gave this interview on six, I saw that. 60 yep. Minutes. And I actually think on one matter, he doesn't didn't realize what he said. And on the other, what was I, that? Uh, when he came out and said, the, uh, he was saying, you know, America has a tradition of immigration, which we do. But he came out and said the recent immigration was one of the things that helped get the uh, wage, wages under control. So you have the chair of the Federal Reserve saying that immigration suppresses wages. Yeah, I don't actually think that's true, but nonetheless. So, uh, so uh, but the, more importantly, yeah. that when he really... It showed me that he is overtly biased. So, so, so I've changed my opinion. He came you mean out. I'm biased in favor of Biden. Biden. Now, sure. that may be the case given that Donald Trump also made a statement in recent days saying, I will not reappoint Jerome Powell, which I, I, may not have come to a surprise by Powell, because every time I've talked to him, he's always said he thinks Powell was one of his biggest mistakes. Do you think it was a mistake? Uh, 
Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we, it, he it took is, the inflation rate to 9%, the highest in 40 years. Is, look, the, you know, the two financial positions, Treasury and Fed chair, are risk management positions. Right. And the Fed did a terrible job of risk management. Okay. And it, did. What, what Powell said the other night was the, the, the interviewer in 60 Minutes said to him, well, you know, wasn't there a lot of spending that caused inflation? <laughs> and he said, well, there was the CARES Act. So that was $2.2 trillion. Right. Out of six. Exactly. 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 No, he, he didn't bring up the yeah. other three. Yeah, right. So that tells me, because that was all done under Biden. Yes. And it was unnecessary. You know, like the CARES yeah, Act, we were still in the throes of yes, COVID. Right, right. You know, all all this was just goodies. So this is an investor show. We only got two minutes left. So um, inflation. What's your forecast? What's going to happen? Well, I think I think mechanically it will go down into May, and th- this is you know, to what core, but probably below two. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, you know this is core PCE. Wow. Uh, and you know, the the other thing too is. You know, historically, when a part of the world is deflating right. like China is, yes. so China's exporting producer price right. inflation, uh, wages in the U.S. are still relatively right. strong, right. although, you know, if you look at the wage data last week from, you know, from that blowout number, is the government is crowding out the private sector, so right. government wage right. growth... Sure was higher than private yes. sector wage growth. And by wage the way, growth. government employment has been running ahead of private. The only two big sectors of the economy that grew last year in employment were health care and government. government. So yeah. we're growing in the wrong places. Um, so uh, in the last 30 seconds, because I get to ask this every week on the show, be bullish, be bearish. I, I, yeah, as long as Trump's ahead in the polls, <laughs> no, I'd, right. I'd be bullish yep. because they, you know, yelling... Powell are going to keep pumping. Uh-huh. And, and Trump's going to win. And You think Trump's going to win? He's ahead of the polls. All I hope. right. <laughs> Folks, yeah. this is the More Money Show. We are actually in New York for a uh, dinner uh, with uh, Tulsi Gabbard. But, uh, Scott, you've been a longtime friend of the committee. Thank you for your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And we will be right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is More Money. With economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show, and I will, as promised, now be taking your call. So I'm going to give that. And by the way, my producer says that um, we have two or three lines open. So if you want your opinion heard, please call into the More Money hotline on WABC. And that number, again, is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. And there are two questions that I want to hear from you all. Um, Number one, do you think that the Republicans did the right thing in killing this border deal that I think was a, that my own opinion was that it was a disastrous deal. It doesn't take more money and it doesn't take a massive new spending bill to get the border under control. We just need a president who will enforce the current laws the way Joe, the way Donald Trump did. And we did not have a border crisis when Trump was president. And all the same laws are still in existence. It, the problem is not that we don't have the laws. It's we have a president who has no interest in controlling the border. But if you have an alternative opinion, I'd love to hear that. The second thing I wanted to discuss with you while we wait for uh, a few more callers to call in is 
Um, how concerned are you about the future of our country? You know, the economy is doing pretty well right now. Let's be honest. The jobs market is good. Inflation has come down. It's still too high, but it's it's come down. Uh, the stock market's been doing really well. You're going to hear from um, uh, Ryan and Bob Payne in a few minutes about what's going on with the financial markets. But it feels to me like there are termites just eating away at the wood in the basement and that this and that this the termites are basically this debt situation, which gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We've got a $34.5 trillion debt. The new reports show that we're adding $1.5 trillion a year to our debt for the next 10 years. That's like $15 trillion. I mean, I know those numbers are so gigantic, people's heads spin around thinking about them, but uh, these are enormous sums that will not be paid back by the people listening to the show. They'll be, be paid back by our children and grandchildren. And in my opinion, these numbers are so um, out of whack with our traditional fiscal heritage in this country that if we don't turn it around quickly, I think we're going to fa face a financial crisis. I really do. And I, by the way, I, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to see this great country of ours falter, but we've had horrendous leadership for the last three years. We have nobody in Congress, I don't even Republican or Democrat, that seems too concerned about our debt. My God, they had a, uh, a $50 billion bill they're trying to pass for Ukraine. By the way, I'm against it. I'm against spending more money on Ukraine, but everybody has a different opinion. And, and I respect people with different opinions than mine. But if we are going to spend $50 billion of taxpayer money on Ukraine, Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we cut fifty billion from something else? Why don't we get rid of some of these crazy green energy programs? Uh, there's just a report uh, in our hotline, and by the way, if you go to committeedunleashedprosperity.com and you can get our hotline for free. We reported that five billion dollars has been authorized by Congress for electric school buses, and guess what? They're breaking down all over the place. The buses are three times more expensive than conventional buses. Every city that's tried to use them have had they're in the repair shop half of the time, and they cost three to five times more. So. Rather than spending money on electric buses, why don't we spend money on the classroom getting getting better uh, education for our kids in the classroom? Why are we wasting money on green energy buses? So um, uh, let's go to our callers. The number again, if you want to weigh in on any of this, is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222 or 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, Mr. Producer, do we have any callers yet? Yep, let's go to Eduardo in Tampa, Florida. Eduardo, in, all the way in Tampa, Florida, thank you, sir, for calling. Yeah, Steve, I wanted to make a comment on a couple of things here. Um, we have 23 million from 18-year-olds to 29 living with parents because rent is unaffordable. And we got shrinkflation, too, going on. So I wanted to get your comments about that. Well, say that, say that statistic again. Yeah, 23 million of 18-year-olds to 29 living with parents. Living with their parents. And I've got one of them in my basement, too. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And what's happening here, and Edward, thanks. So, by the way, how do you get uh, our show in Tampa? Uh, WABC. I'm uh, listening okay. on iHeart. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing the reach of it. It's just an honor to have you and listeners from all over the East Coast listening to the show. It, it, it warms my heart. So, 
<laughs> you've put your finger on a big problem, you know, that uh, kids are supposed to, you know, reach adulthood and move out of their parents' home and get married and have kids <laughs> and start their own families. And that is not happening. The whole process has been short-circuited, partly because housing is so expensive, rent is so expensive, mortgage rates are so expensive, and the young people are not finding the high-quality jobs that used to be available because this economy is not in good shape. And the statistic that you just noted is, is a good example of that. By the way, a new report uh, that I was just reading, which was really heartbreaking, which is liberal w- w- women of between the age of 18, 29 are extremely liberal. They're 30 to 40 percentage points more liberal than their male counterparts. And so they bought into the whole left wing agenda. And many of these women, and this is really heartbreaking because they say they don't want to have children. And we're really seeing a decline in birth rates in the United States. And I find that to be really, really problematic because, you know, we have to be fruitful. We have to be, we have to multiply uh, and we need to, you know, the legacy, your legacy is your children. And to see all these young women say, oh, I have no interest in having kids. That's a big problem. Great call, Eduardo. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, Mr. Producer, who is our next caller? Let's go to Jim in Long Island. Jim, thanks for calling. What do you got? All right, Steve, how you doing? Good. Fantastic. Good. Glad to hear you. Glad to hear from you. Hey, listen, I'm taking a 60,000-foot level uh, view of, yep. of this whole thing. Yes. Uh, between the globalists, the green folks, yep. Soros, yep. Okay. Yep. the border issue. Yep. To me, there's a left-wing Marxist movement here to yep. redo yep. this country and make it a socialist type of Country. So, Jim, and Jim, let me, inter- Jim, hold on. Let me interrupt you for one second. I want your honest opinion about something because I ask a lot of our callers this. You see this border, it's out of control. Everybody knows it is. Do you think this is intentional? Yes. You do? Oh, absolutely. Why? Why? Trump yeah. had it under control. Yes. Okay. Congress has yep. all the, had all the power to change the laws. Yes. Nobody's moving on this. Trump comes in and says, listen, he takes a common sense approach to the Don yep. thing, okay, which is which is his his real strength. He yep. sees through the he sees through the fog here and yes. he says, listen, this is what we're going to do. Bingo. It happens. And this is why. Right. I, I believe two things. The market is reacting to the fact that he's looks like he's going to make it again. They're scared yep. to death of him coming back. They're scared of him. Hey, I got to cut you off because I want to try to squeeze in one more caller before we take a break. Uh, who do we got next, Mr. Producer? Let's go to Dan in Harrison, New York. Dan, I literally have 45 seconds, so I want to hear your opinion. Okay, let, let me get to it. Uh, inflation is quoted as being 3%. Right. And then they used to say that that excludes uh, energy and food. Right. Right. That happens to be where all the inflation is. I know. <laughs> no. You know, no, I always say that it's a great point, sir. I'm so glad you called in. And what's really amazing is that um, the the thing that's rising most in cost are groceries and our electric utility bills. And those are the things they're leaving out of what's called core inflation. It makes more sense. They're kind of lying to us about these numbers, folks. I think the real inflation rate is probably 
three to four times. I think we're, you know, people think that the inflation rate that they feel every day is probably closer to six or 7%. I know that because when I go to the grocery store, I can't believe what eggs cost, what ground beef costs, you know, $8 for Cocoa Krispies. And you may have seen a report, $18 now for a big Big Mac, uh, uh, you know, the McDonald's uh, Big Mac meal deal, $18 at some stores. I remember it used to be $6. Okay, folks, I'm going to take one more break. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Payne, Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. As every week on the More Money Show, just talking about the markets, the economy. And then, oh man, Bob, we're over 5,000 on the S&P 500. Did you ever expect to see that? Yeah, I did. Uh, we were talking about about three months ago that uh, don't be surprised if we had all-time record highs coming into 2024 because the economy's booming, right? I mean, we've had these big price rises from inflation, um, which is you know still impacting everybody when you go to the grocery store, but corporate profits are rising and inflation is suddenly starting to come down. And I think what's what's crazy, and I think you're right, though. I mean, not everyone's feeling so rosy right now because inflation's been so high and wages have barely kept up with the fact that it does cost a lot to go to the grocery store. Uh, it does cost a lot more to fill up your tank than it did just a couple of years ago. So I mean, when you talk about it being rosy, I know everyone's not feeling that. But I think what you have to look at, too, is look out to the future. And if the labor market stays as strong as it has and inflation continues to come down, well, that should bode well this year for the U.S. worker and should bode well for the U.S. economy, even though it might not feel super rosy from where you're sitting right now. I know. And it's, um, I, I watched Jerome Powell uh, do his press conference last week. Then he was on 60 Minutes last weekend. And he assures us that we're not going to have rates come down as much as the market anticipates. But uh, they are intending on lowering interest rates sometime this year. We just don't know when. And when rates come down, that's good for everybody, right? It's like a tax cut. You, know, you pay less on your mortgage if you're taking out a mortgage. Uh, it helps companies to, you know, to borrow less, which means increased dividends. So you don't want to be sitting in cash right now. You know, even though the yields are really high, you want to get invested. You haven't missed it. There's still a lot of great opportunities in the financial markets. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, what the great hockey player Wayne Gretzky once said, you want to skate to where the puck is going to be, right? And we know whatever you're getting on a money market fund right now, that's probably going to go down because the Fed's probably going to cut interest rates. And let's face it, Bob, it's an election year. We know the government, they're going to pull out all the stops to stimulate the economy this year. And, you know, my guess is they, they, they have to lower interest rates because, you know, maybe the Fed is in a political position, but I suspect they are influenced to some extent by, uh, you know, by the powers that be, if I had a guess. Well, they say they're data dependent, right? So I think um, pay attention to what's happening with the CPI or in the inflation numbers as they come out. You know, watch what you're paying at the gas pump. I think that's a much better indication. Um, you know, I don't think it's a political position. Uh, at least that's what they're telling me. I'm going to stand by it. Uh, I think uh, we'll just follow the fundamentals for now. I like that. I like that. And I think what's really wild this last week is, man, we had some huge moves, right? We had Arm Holdings. They're a chip designer, semiconductor designer, up over 50% in one day. We saw last week, we saw Facebook, or now called Meta, was up 20% in one day. It's kind of reminding me a lot like back in late 1999-2000, we had the big dot-com bubble. 
and that eventually burst. I mean, what do you make of all these tech stocks and semiconductor stocks and artificial intelligence stocks going through the roof right now, Bob? Well, I'm loving it, right? Because, you know, I own those, but uh, I don't have all my money there, right? I have all my money invested in a diversified portfolio. And I think maximum diversification is what you want to do when you see this type of momentum investing. You know, when you have stocks that go up, you know, 20% in one day or double in one day, um, you don't usually see that. And, you know, I've been doing this for close to 50 years. Typically means there's a lot more than speculation than there is fundamentals. And there are a lot of great blue chip investments where you can invest on fundamentals. And, you know, I think you can handle the volatility a little better because what goes up violently can also come down violently. And that's something you got to keep in mind. Well, yeah. And I think also, too, I mean, if you're planning for retirement, you're a baby boomer right now and you know you need income in retirement, it's a great time to actually generate income, right? If you look at the bond market, interest rates, they're still at a 15 year high right now. But again, if the Fed cuts rates, some of those really attractive rates can go away. So it's a good time to start locking into some of those longer term rates. So you have income for retirement. And if you get outside those big mega cap stocks that everyone wants to talk about, whether it's NVIDIA, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, the rest of the market's paying some pretty attractive dividends right now that you can lock into to generate that income plan for retirement. So I think it's right now there's a lot of opportunity, but you have to be really smart about how you invest your money. And we're seeing this with a lot of people right now in their investment portfolios is they're not structuring their portfolio correctly for retirement. They're not looking at it from an income perspective, and that could be a big mistake. Yeah, I really do, Rye. So I think it's not just financial planning, it's income planning. Um, you know, it's great when you're collecting a paycheck and you don't have to really worry about it. But, uh, you know, once you retire, you're going to depend on your investments, whether it's real estate or annuities or, you know, stocks and bonds. You want to make sure you have a good income stream uh, that comes in, whether the markets are up or down. Remember, 2022 was one of the worst years in history for a balanced portfolio. 2023 had a big recovery. Who knows what 2024 is going to be like? I like that income stream that I know comes in every month as opposed to relative performance. Last I checked, I went to the restaurant up in New York the other day. They wouldn't take relative performance as a payment. You know, they, they demanded cash, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those New Yorkers are tough, Bob. They're tough on you when you live down in Florida. So I, I almost have empathy for you. Um, but no, I think bottom line is, look, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of more what you saw last year where you know, we've heard a lot about the economy falling off a cliff. And you know, you've heard a lot about uh, going to recession, and it looks like that's probably not the case this year. Um, inflation continues to moderate. If we look at growth for the first quarter in the U.S., uh, it's projected to come in positive, maybe close to 3%, which is way more growth than was anticipated. If we look at companies right now, um, it's a tight labor market. Wages are continuing to go up, which is good for the American worker, especially if inflation continues to moderate. So we should see a pretty good year in the economy. So you don't want to miss that opportunity. You want to structure your portfolio correctly for retirement. And I think you want to look at things more optimistically here. I know it sounds sometimes more attractive to be negative and dire on everything. But if you look at the fundamentals, like you said, Bob, right now, it's probably a good time to be smart about your money, be optimistic and put together a plan for the long term um, where you can generate that income you're going to need. And I think a lot of investors, and a lot of people planning for retirement right now probably still have their head in the sand and they shouldn't. Well, it sounds like to me, Ryan, there's a lot of attractive investments other than five or six stocks. So, you know, you want to, if you're not long, you're wrong right now. So you want to be in and you want to be in based on your goals. Lots of opportunities. Um, you know, don't sit on the sidelines. Don't be afraid. You haven't missed it. 
Yeah. So look, if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, we've heard your positive message for too long, Bob and Ryan. It's a little bit annoying, but I get it. The world doesn't end very often. I've got to go on top of my finances for retirement. Well, here's your shot to do it. We literally have 10 slots. We'll keep them open for the rest of the show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for your total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally will go through everything for you. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We'll go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, just hone in on every issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. Everyone needs income in retirement when that paycheck stops. How do you take Social Security? A lot of ways to take it. One right, one right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money? We'll build a full dynamic income plan, factoring in inflation so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. And we'll look at diversification. Markets have been all over the place the last couple of years. Has your portfolio been all over the place as well? Or have you been sitting in cash? Paralysis by analysis, you can't figure out what to do. We'll put together a full investment game plan. Tie it to your goals. Show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we'll look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high cost, tax inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage product, structured product. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You'll get a full tax playbook. We literally have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call us at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PL. A-N-N-Y-C. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, there's no cost, but you won't have a plan if you're not one of the people that text or call the next 10 calls. That's 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844 844- Plan NYC. That's 844 The 77 WABC mobile app. Download it now. Bob and Chris, let's be honest. A lot of us last year, we probably put our head in the sand. We didn't address our financial plan because the news was terrible, right? Apparently, we were going to go into recession. Markets were going to crash. They're going to fall off a cliff. So if there's any year to make an excuse not to do your financial planning, it was probably last year. But the problem is none of that came to fruition. Right, we didn't have a recession, market didn't crash. So the question is, what do you do right now? So I thought we could talk about our blueprint for getting on track with your finances, getting right in the game, getting your financial plan up to date, and the process of the steps you have to take to do that immediately. Well, you know, when it comes to planning, whether it's a big year, down year, good good economy, good news or bad news, um, the biggest problem is procrastination. Right? It's you know, and the problem with that is you know, time passes and markets operate. Neither cares how you feel or think. So you got to get started right now. And I think the first step is you got to have a process, right? We call it the A to B process. And I think for everybody who doesn't have a plan, they got to start putting things together at point A. And Chris, what, what do you need to do to get, uh, you know, get together at point A? Well, the first place to start is you got to put together all your financial assets, 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, brokerage accounts, you know, everything that you have today, you got to pull all that together. Well, it's amazing too, whenever you do that exercise is most people don't realize, and you probably don't realize, you probably have assets you don't know about, you forgot about, right? Like maybe you have an old 401k from a job from 10 years ago. 
So by putting everything in one place, the thing I'm always surprised about is people don't realize they're probably worth more money than they actually thought <laughs> because they never added it all up. Well, it's a lifetime process too, guys. You know, like I'm, I'm, I actually collect a pension, um, which is amazing. And I remember when, when my first or second year on the job, they said, oh, you're going to have this pension. I'm thinking, I'm 22 years old. When the heck, what am I going to need a pension? And I'm never going to be 70. It's like, I, you almost forget about it. Until actually a friend of mine reminded me, and sure enough, when I called my old firm, they didn't have the right phone number, address, they had mom's date of birth wrong, they had my wedding date wrong. Um, you know, you got to stay on top of all these things. Wait a minute, Chris. So Bob has a pension. Does that mean we can pay him less at paying capital, right? I mean, that's not fair. <laughs> <He's> already, <laughs> between pension and social security, we can reduce your salary by that much, Bob. I think that's a great plan. You know, you guys work me like a dog. You pay me like a puppy. It's never changing. You know, I just can't believe I can't believe I put up with this. I love how Ryan's always so focused on the bottom line. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny, like, you know, it's a lot like, you know, having these accounts, it's a lot like finding change in the couch. You know, I talked to a client of mine the other day and she said to me, have you ever heard of this firm, Alaris? Apparently I've got some money there. So we ended up calling Alaris wow. and we found $20,000. Yeah, right. So there's there's money probably out there. And then once you've gathered it all together, right, you put it in one place. And this is where technology can be great because there's a lot of ways to build portals now where you can see everything in one place is you got to start thinking about income because it's pretty simple, right? When you stop working, that income, that paycheck stops. So where are you going to generate that income now? So you want to get an understanding of all the investments you own, whether you know it's real estate, it's stocks, it's bonds, how much income is actually coming in on your passive assets along with, to your point, Bob, do you, are you entitled to a pension, social security, and get a real clear picture of the actual cash flow that'll come in when your paycheck stops it's kind of a simple exercise, but a very critical one. And that's the bit that, and that's the most important point, right? You think like, okay, I got it all together, but it, really, what you have to do is you have to know what you own, and then the most important question is, why do you own it? And you know, I remember we I talked to the CEO of Merrill Lynch one day. I was talking to him about financial planning, and he said, "All I want to do is make money." And I said, "Hey, Dan, I'm sorry, but making money's not a goal. Why do you need to make money?" So that's point B, right? Why do you need money, guys? Why do you need to understand point B and analyze that as, as you do point A. Well, right. You got to know what risk you need, what income you need. And that's actually a great point right now. If you own a lot of growth stocks like Amazon, Google, NVIDIA, you own those big tech names, they pay no income. So that might be a problem when you need income for retirement. So the investments do the, that you do own, to your point, Bob, do they actually correlate to the goals you're trying to achieve? And that's why it's so clear to you need to be clearly understand what point B is or what your goals actually are. And then you can say, well, it makes sense to own this investment or not own this investment. Well, the other part of it, you know, it's a mental exercise. You know, it, when you create goals that are based on your lifestyle, based on you and not based on some frivolous thing to say to make the most amount of money, you're a little bit more attached to that. So you're going to be more motivated to invest towards reaching those goals. That's so brilliant, Chris, because investing is emotional, right? If you're not emotionally attached to the return, you don't really care what the return is. Yeah. You know, why do I need to fix it? It's going up right now. I got everything in large cap growth. I'm a genius. Uh, why do I need to fix that, right? You need to become emotionally evolved to your goals because it can change so quickly. And it's not just, you know, setting the goals today. It's also factoring in that insidious hidden tax, right? Inflation, because you do this on the back of an envelope, you think you're set. You start putting in those inflation numbers, it gets kind of scary. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And that's the biggest enemy you have when you're trying to plan for your income for retirement is it's going to double over the next 20 years. Your expenses are going to double just to do the same thing because inflation is real. And if you didn't believe inflation was real, just look at the last two years. It's up like 17%. 
Um, just go to the grocery store, right? Just go to uh, fill up your, your car. It's just have a tremendous amount of uh, cost adjustments and you got to continually factor those in over time. And most of us don't do that. You know, we have a mantra here is we want the surprises being the positive, not the negative. You really have to throw the kitchen sink at that financial plan to make sure it's going to work. Well, you know, the other thing too, and I talk about this a lot, is that most of us don't have a clue as to what we spend. Uh, I actually talked to a, a client of mine the other day. and He said, you know, if I really needed to, I could live on $35,000 a year. We went and looked at his financial plan. His mortgage alone is $35,000 a year. So I said, <laughs> yeah, you probably could live on $35,000, but you're not going to eat. You're not going to put gas in your car. You're not going to send your son to college. So, you know, it, it, when you you look at your expenses, just think about it. It's probably going to be a lot more than what you think it is. Well, I think I think that's one of the benefits and maybe some of the reluctance on the part of a lot of folks is they don't want an advisor because we make them accountable to these things. Like, well, you know, I can live on that, Chris. So I say, well, you made X last year. Why didn't you save any of it? Where is it? Right. Is it under <laughs> the sofa? Is it, you know, is it in the sink? What would you do with it? Um, people spend more than they think they do. And you know what? We're really good at figuring out what that spend is. And yeah, you're right, Dad. I don't think anybody really wants to hear it. But you know what? It's like you got to do it if you really want to have a successful financial plan. Well, I think it's a rationalization because we think, oh, I'll be retired. I won't spend as much money, right? I need 80% of my income. And we can tell you it's probably not the case. You probably need 100% of your income. And the other rationalization is, well, well, then when I'm out in my late 80s, well, I won't travel as much. I won't have as much fun. That's not true either. <laughs> Our clients well into their 80s are still out there going on cruises. They're spoiling their grandkids, living, you know, as they say, their best life. So you really don't ever assume you're going to spend less. It, you know, it typically doesn't happen in our experience. You got to plan for needing a lot of income in retirement. And most of us don't account for enough. And that could be a big problem, especially as you get into your later years. Hey, Ryan, I hear the reason, real reason dad's working is because he now has a grandchild that he has to spoil. That might, be, <laughs> that might not be true, but I, I don't know. Well, you know, Ryan, I think that, uh, you know, Taylor Swift has gotten a lot of credit uh, for, for the economic recovery from the no landing uh, economy that we've been talking about. But truth of the matter is, it's the baby boom generation that's spending a lot of money. They've accumulated a lot of wealth, uh, which just goes to show you what long-term investing does. It's not that they have any gifted insight any more than anybody else, but when you invest and save and compound on a plan, you end up creating wealth. And the baby boomers are out there enjoying their retirement years because they've accumulated a lot of wealth and they're spending. And that's why the economy, one of the major reasons why the economy is doing so well and why the unemployment numbers are so low. So you guys can thank me now. Actually, thank my fellow travelers and uh, you know enjoy the ride. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, myself and Bob and our team at Payne Capital will run for you our total financial master plan and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We go as far as building you, your own personalized financial portal. We give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and we'll hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's that income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways to take it, but one run right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio the most tax-efficient way? We'll give you a full income plan, factor in inflation so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been all over the place, up and down. Has your portfolio been extremely volatile? Or have you been sitting in cash? Paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do. We'll put together a full diversified investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, tie it to your goals, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you 
high cost, tax inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, insurance product, brokerage product, we're going to go through every investment you have, deep dive. We're going to show you how to reduce all the internal cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We literally have four slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, all you need to do is call or text at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. If you call or text us right now at 844-752-6692, that's 844-PLAN-NYC, 844-PLAN-NYC. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, investors celebrated another record close as the benchmark S&P 500 index ended above 5,000 for the first time ever. It was a long time coming as the last major assault on the 5,000 milestone came two years ago when the index peaked at 4,800. The move is largely driven by mega cap tech stocks as Amazon, Meta, Microsoft, and NVIDIA have produced a roughly 20% return to start the year. The returns from these four names alone account for around 70% of the S&P 500's gain this year, leaving other major indices and the remaining 490-ish other stocks in the S&P 500 index in the dust. NVIDIA is now worth as much as the entire Chinese stock market. Now, several other stocks have already achieved this feat but they're bigger conglomerates with many businesses under one roof. NVIDIA is a chip designer and a manufacturer, making this much crazier of an occurrence. Perhaps as a result of the Chinese economy's recession, the Chinese stock market is undervalued, or NVIDIA stock is a tad overvalued. I'll let you decide. The record-setting session came as investors applauded a revision of December's inflation data that showed it was even lower than first reported. Perhaps this will allow Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell to be more dovish in his comments than he was last week on 60 Minutes when he disappointed investors, saying rate cuts are coming, but not as soon or as many as investors had hoped. Overall, good news for the week. The Fed says the economy is strong and they will start cutting rates sometime this year. Inflation is falling faster than reported. Earnings are strong and economists' fears of recession have simply melted away. What's not the like? Well, for one, as the S&P 500 has soared to fresh highs, fewer stocks have been participating in this rally. That worries people that recent gains could reverse if the market's leaders stumble. Strong market breadth, or the number of stocks taking part in a broader index's rise, is often viewed as a healthy sign by investors as it shows gains are less dependent on a small number of names. Market breadth was expanding for much of the last quarter only to narrow once again so far this year. Now, to some extent, these mega-cap tech titan superior earnings have justified their move above the crowd of other stocks. But ultimately, in my experience, when it comes to stocks, valuations matter. Microsoft is now the world's most valuable company, standing at $3.1 trillion in capitalization. That's nearly twice the size of the entire energy sector at $1.6 trillion. In terms of annual free cash flow, Microsoft reported an estimate of $67 billion. That's less than half of the $135 billion that comes from these energy companies. In addition, 
U.S. tech sector is worth a third of the entire U.S. equity market. That tops the previous peak seen in July of 2000 at the height of the dot-com bubble, something I thought I'd never see again in my lifetime. Just as a reminder to all, that didn't end well. So in terms of the current new tech paradigm in the market, all I can say is fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have close to 80 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your evaluation of your portfolio, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management.